0: Episode 136 of the Bevan James R Show, an interview with Brett Robinson. Welcome along to episode 136 of the Bevan James R Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so that you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, we've moved house. I'm in my new office. I have to say, my new office is quite a bit bigger. You might hear a bit of an echo in this office because it's a little bit bigger than what I'm used to. My, my little office. Was this pokey little room in, in our house? And our old house was. I love my old house, but my office was this little pokey little room. Um, there wasn't much space to my little old office, and. Uh, My new office is probably three times the size, maybe even four times the size of my old office. Again, it was a pretty small office in the past, so I feel I feel a life of luxury. And also, in my old office, I had a window, but it very much looked out to a backyard, whereas my new window looks out to a bit of a pretty cool view. So, uh, it's been a big weekend in my life because Joe, my wife, and I have moved house. Uh, And you know what's really cool about moving house is it just reminds you that you've got good people in your life. You know, the the older I get, the more the importance of family and friends becomes something in my life. And, uh, you know, I I think I'm a better friend and I'm better at family now than maybe what I was when I was younger. I don't know if I was an awful friend, but I didn't necessarily put it in the priority of how I spend my time. And, you know, um, I've never been someone who's very good at asking for things from people. Uh, But, you know, when you're moving house, you need help and support. And everyone you ask just kind of does it. In a way, we're, you know, just really great, you know. They're just really willing to help out and you know I'm just really thankful that we have people in our lives who want to help out in a moment it's a pretty important moment in our lives but it also just makes me appreciate that I have some pretty special people in my life who um, are there for me when I need them to be there and I know this moving house is quite a practical way of looking at this but it also represents that I know they would be there for me at any moment and I hope they feel the same way about my relationship to them because to me that's what a good friendship or a family member, or just someone you connect with really well. Is this we're gonna we're gonna back each other along the way? So today's show, today's show. What's going to happen is I got an interview. I actually got an email from a guy called Brett Robinson saying uh, he he said oh, I would love to be love to to do a cross promotion podcast. So basically, he's going to come on my show and I'd go on his show. And uh, normally, I'm not really when people promote themselves as being a guest on my podcast. Generally speaking, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, I say no, or I just kind of don't respond to the email, and often it's because they're just promoting things that I'm not that into. Uh, a lot of dietary people will come to me trying to get me to interview them for the podcast, and as you know, this show isn't so much about diet. I know it's called cool, the Bevan James Isles Show, the Fitness Behaviour podcast, um, but you, as you know, the show is more about um, you know, behavior change and, and really trying to sustainable change that people can create in the long term. And so I, I get a lot of emails from people who, are trying to build an audience and they know that I have an audience and they're trying to build an audience and they look at this getting on my show as a way to help build their audience, which I understand. And, and I'm, I don't have a problem with that if it's aligned with what I want to kind of spread the message about. And when I looked at what Brett's doing with his work, it was like, oh, man, this him, him and I are just brothers from another mother because we're both just are really passionate about helping people progress in life. Uh, and, and obviously more around this kind of behaviour in behavior change kind of thinking and so uh Brett and I sat down last week and we did two interviews so I interviewed him first and then he interviewed me the second and uh if you want to go to Brett's website it's called your life of impact and here's a web a podcast ...which is pretty much the same name I think... Uh, ...so I I don't know if he's put my episode up yet... ...my episode will be up soon... ...but today he is a guest on this episode... ...and I really think you'll like him... ...he's quite a charismatic character... ...but he's very passionate has a pretty amazing story that kind of got him to where he is right now in his life. And also is someone who seems to have some pretty good theories around how to help people progress. So I'm going to put that interview up in a second. It's it's about an hour long, so I'm not going to go too much, or maybe about 45 minutes long. So I'm not going to go too much into other stuff today. I have to say, I am really excited about the next Bevan show. The next one where it's just me kind of sharing some stuff with you guys. Because I've been working through some stuff recently. Uh, around some strategies that i found have been quite impactful upon my life and also some people I work with as well. So uh, I was going to do that this week but because with the move and all the rest of it and then Brett came along so it worked out quite perfectly really. So this week we're going to have Brett and then the a couple of weeks when we have my next episode I'm going to do one that's really deep into some tools that I've been using lately which have really had quite a big impact on my experience of life and um, i'm finding it also works with some of my clients as well so you can check that in a couple of weeks time but before we get into the interview of brett i just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show if you want to become a patron as you go to bevanjamesisles.com it's all very clear on the website i just go on the patreon link and you click on there and every time i release a show you just donate a little bit of your hard-earned money towards what i am doing here and when you become a patron I give you a Bevan James O Show nickname and here are a few of the people who are our patrons. Paula, the powerful Punisher, Green... And uh, yep, so what? Well on Paula, thank you for being a supporter. Uh, we've got Marion Clatt, and she is The Momentum. We've got George, the Wild Bill Baker. We've got Mary, I've Got The Power. We've got Ginger Dave, the Governor. We've got Phoebe, the Stark Sanders, and Michael, the Hammer Nook. So these people are supporters of the podcast. If you want to become a supporter, just go to bevanjamesisles.com, and it's all very clear from here. Um, I'm going to get straight into the interview with Brett. Here is Brett Robinson. Righto guys, I'm pretty excited to have a guy by the name of Brett Robbo on the show today. He's got a podcast, is the name of your podcast Your Life of Impact? Is that the name of your podcast? Okay, great. Uh, And his website is the same website as uh, yourlifeofimpact.com and he's got a pretty interesting story. So welcome on to the show Brett.
1: Bevan, thanks for having me. I'm extremely grateful to be here today.
0: So, so, so let's start off with a bit of your history. Tell me, you know, you sent me through this video and it had a kind of this moment of impact in your video. So maybe just tell me a bit of uh, your story.
1: Yeah, so I I mean, my story, I grew up in Western New South Wales in Australia in a small country town and lots of sports. So fitness is a big part of my life. Uh, I, I guess I was just born into a small country <laughs> town. That's what you do for fun out there. And I was actually really good at rugby league and athletics, and did both for a long time. And then I made a choice when I was finishing the end of high school to give the football, the rep footy, a miss for a while. And I got into the Australian Institute of Sport as a sprinter, and I went to the to the AIS there for a few years. And at the same time, I was studying my advanced diploma in soft tissue therapies, and I started working with Paralympic athletes uh, from 2006 as a therapist and traveling the world as a therapist with them. So I I took a break from my running career for a while, and I say that in inverted commas because that break is still going. That was was, uh, a long time ago, (laughs) almost a lifetime ago. So – Yeah, I I decided once I experienced life on the other side and helping people as a therapist and traveling with Paralympic teams and I started working with the wheelchair rugby team, the Paralympic track and field and the winter snow ski program and that was amazing. You know, I spent a lot of time in New Zealand with the winter team, traveling the world through Europe, North America, Canada, same with all the other teams so… Experiencing it on that side of the fence, I just uh, never got back into the running, actually, but I've always kept fitness and sport and activity a huge part of my life. Can, can, and can, then, I,
0: can I ask, just, just when, when you're a young kid, and you, you know, like if you get chosen to be in the Australian Institute of Sport, you're obviously a pretty talented athlete. What was it like at that moment, being a young man, kind of chasing the athletic goal?
1: Yeah, it was... I mean, it was pretty daunting really coming from a small country town and then the AIS is only in Canberra, which is not a big city, but it's still out of your comfort zone and started training with elite athletes and national champions in the open age groups and world class coaches. So yeah, very daunting, I guess, even looking back at it now, I didn't really understand the what it meant then to to go to the AIS and okay. to be to be there training it was just it was almost just like yeah that's part of like my goal was to be commonwealth games athlete as just yep. part of the process but looking back at it now i ended up coaching there years later i ended up being a coach a sprints and jumps coach at the AIS so i did a big loop after being a therapist for 7 years and when i was there as a coach and we would select athletes to come in you realize it's actually a pretty special place and a very uh rewarding experience for athletes to be there in amongst it all.
0: Yeah, far out. Um, And what was the moment where you had to let go of that dream? And was it a hard thing to let go of?
1: Yes, I... (laughs) Yes and no. So the dream was when I was younger and probably a bit more naive and I was growing up in the country and winning races out there and winning state championships for my age group and going well at nationals and sometimes winning age group nationals as a sprinter. And so I thought, you know, yeah, it would make sense that I could go through. But then you start training with the big dogs and, you know, I was only 17 when I moved there and you start training with the elite uh, open-age athletes who are the national champions. You're Matt Shervington, Patrick Johnson – and realize, okay, there's a, there's a solid decade ahead of me okay. before I can hit my full potential. I'm not one of those freakishly talented kids. I didn't get brought in because they thought I could make the next Com Games team at a young age or anything like that. It was a long grinding road ahead. So after a few years of understanding that, and I loved it, and it wasn't that I was scared of that, but it just, it was an opportunity arose and I thought, well, I'm going to travel the world as a therapist for this one trip and see what it's like. And then I just weighed it up and just the opportunities kept coming there. And that's what I say. I just took a break, but I realized I'm not that fully attached to it. I'm not like a, uh, an addictive personality to this mm. this sporting career. I'm still working in sport and still fueling my soul and my values traveling with and helping athletes. So it wasn't, I guess, a, a hard decision at that point. Okay.
0: Yeah, nice. And so then you, so then you became a therapist to to disabled athletes, traveled the world, continue off your story.
1: Yeah, traveled the world and then uh, like I said, after seven years of that, I got an opportunity to go back to the Institute of Sport as a coach and started my coaching scholarship there and it ended up being uh, my mentor, head mentor coach was Irina Dovaskina, who was my coach when I was an athlete at, at wow. the AIS. Wow. Yeah, so it was really cool. So she was my coach and then she was my colleague when I was traveling as a therapist because she was the head Paralympic coach and then she became my mentor. So she's like my second mother. I'm really, really grateful to have such a a strong, proud woman uh, mentor, female mentor in my life like that. And I've always had strong female mentors so it made sense looking back at it that I was uh, introduced to and, and living the life with Irina. So yeah, for the last seven years, I've been a full-time uh, coach and until 12 months ago where I actually made the decision to finish that full-time job that I was extremely passionate about working with Paralympic athletes and I won the Australian para coach of the year last wow. year and cool. one of my athletes won a few gold medals at our world championships and we got him to break a couple of world records. Wow. So, you know, I was at... You, i wouldn't say at the top of my game but you know going going quite well i'm pretty proud to be still guided underneath my mentor and i just made that decision i realized that actually having a full-time job was my limiting factor because i knew and i believed that and i believe that's why i'm here now that that part of my purpose is deeper than that and the impact that i'm here to to give is is a bit deeper and and different and that's that's come to realisation because of one of the biggest adversities in my life, to be honest. So three and a half years ago, two of the most influential and inspirational mentors in my life, who were my best friends and my idols and my mentors, that's my grandparents, they were, they were murdered in their own home. Back oh, no. in Cobar in the small country town where we grew up and and murdered by their own son.
0: Oh really?
1: In their own home. And wow.
0: was it was it mental disorder or was it
1: Yeah, yeah. So he he's been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and, and he's had a lifetime of grandeur delusions and should have been locked up many, many years ago and, and been on and off the rails and that sort of stuff. So Unfortunately, we as a family, we always said that we feared that he would do something horrible, but to predict that much of a horror, it couldn't have happened. And and it's still messy, Bevan, we're still three and a half years later, we've still got another court case in two months' time. It's just, there's a load of crap when you look at what the justice system is. But, you know, the the biggest learning curve for me, I mean, my grandfather was my first athletics coach, he got me to the AIS. Wow. Uh, they both taught me what love and respect is because they were happily married for 53 years and always cuddling and kissing and smiling and whispering sweet nothings into each other's ears. They, were, they taught me a lot about uh, relationships and business. They were very good entrepreneurs and business people and huge community members they were you know, there was a Kobar is a population of five and a half thousand people and there was over two and a half thousand people at the funeral wow. because they were just such big community contributors. So part of the reason why I do the podcast and is to to create and nourish community because they've taught me in different ways the importance of community and giving back to community and being part of different communities. So it's it's a big rich aspect that's deep in my values and in my blood. Can can I
0: ask, I've never experienced death, I'm very fortunate, I've had peripheral people in my lifetime but I've never had someone close in touch with that, something I don't have to deal with for a long time. Uh, Death, I can't even imagine how hard it is to deal with but to deal with it in that situation where it's family, where there's obviously a lot of complications, uh, to lose two of the most important people in your life, what was that process, what was that kind of experience like for you and how did you move through it?
1: It was the toughest experience I've ever had. Honestly, I didn't even know that the human being could experience that. It was heart-wrenching sadness, deep, dark places, just challenges of my whole persona changed. The person who I am, who I was, just completely changed. I just... I hadn't lost anyone close to me before either, so it was an experience that I'd never had before. Mm. And and it was massive for like I said, the whole community, our whole family. It was it was just before Christmas in twenty fourteen. So, you know, Christmas was really tough. When I finally got back to work, coaching at the AIS, I was I was there but I wasn't there. Yeah. I was I was a bit of a lost soul. Um, I was still I wouldn't say completely lost soul, but I just wasn't fully present. Yeah. But I was really lucky, Bevan, so you asked about the process to get through it. And working at the AIS, I had support from the sports psychologist. So I was also working for the Sydney Swans AFL team. They offered psychology support there. So I had a lot of opportunity. And I started working with a psychologist that I had done some work with with my athletes at the AIS. And the first session with her – she knew all the background and knew the importance of uh, how close my grandparents were to me and within the session we are talking about it and she said, you know, Robbo, it sounds like part of your life has ended. And I said, yeah, well, it kind of feels that way. It actually does. I guess that's why it's this heart-wrenching sadness, I feel like part of my life has ended. And we talked about it a little bit more and she said, and I told her I never lost anyone close to me and she said, you know – Robbo, after going through this experience, you're going to become more of a whole person and I still remember clear as day, Bevan, sitting in that room with my head down and I just I thought about that for a minute and then I looked up and I had the biggest smile on my face and I said, Kate, that is the best thing that you could have ever said to me because Every day, all I want to do is be a little bit better version of myself yeah. so I can also help others around me be a bit better version of themselves. Mm. So, if I have to look at this tough shit situation in my life in that way, then that's exactly what I'm going to do to get through this. Mm. And since that was honestly a pivotal point, turning point for me and I did a couple more sessions with Kate and I rang her one day because I, I was ended up living in Sydney and working there still working for the AIS, and I rang her one day and I said, Kate, I've just realized you're obviously using some techniques with me. What's it called? I want to know more. And she laughed and she said, I think you're ready, Robo. It's it's acceptance and commitment therapy. And I said, what are the books? Where's it all come from? She told me about The Happiness Trap from Dr. Russ Harris. Yep. I got that straight away. I read it. I immersed myself in it. I took myself on that journey that that book offers, and it was like therapy all over again. And it just then took me down the rabbit hole where I thought, well, if this has worked so well for me and I started bringing in those concepts to help my family, not in a therapy way but just understanding how to listen with the intent to understand and ask them questions to help them understand their emotional states and their energetic states. And so I then, like I said, a massive rabbit hole and I went down the human behavior uh, rabbit hole there, learning a lot about neurolinguistic programming, more about the acceptance and commitment therapy. Did the courses with Dr. Russ Harris, uh, just anything human behavioral related. You uh, know, in, in recent times, emotional intelligence and a lot around thought dynamics and understanding the thought, feelings, behaviors, all that sort of stuff. So that's, you know, and I still look at it and nothing. When I take myself back to, and talking about it just before about my grandparents' death, I still get goosebumps and I still have times where I struggle and I get emotional, but I know what to do in those times, mm. but I also know how to not let myself get to those moments too often. So so you're good at
0: seeing it earlier?
1: Absolutely, Yeah. Okay. And and it's more also then too with other challenges in life. My perception has completely changed. Where I understand what perception actually means. Mm. I understand the power of mindset shifts. Because one thing I learned, I started doing some coaching with uh, another life coach. He's a functional medicine practitioner and a functional neurologist, Carl Hewen, And and he was one that really helped me create a lot of mindset shifts. And that's what I teach to a lot of my clients. And. Uh, our program participants now in you know, our mental strength program is you know I, I truly believe that nothing ever happens to me it only ever happens for me yeah even that that terrible tough situation i i've created my mindset shift to believe that it happened for me it's allowed me to understand more about human behavior than ever before, and now i'm so proudly with this podcasting journey and the programs that i run and the one-on-one coaching that i do with people where i'm actually helping people transform their lives and some of the outreach that i have from people around helping them with their anxiety around helping them with death that they've been through with close loved ones uh, even just helping them with everyday challenges and seeing the world differently and understanding themselves better than ever before so it's tough as it is i'd if I get stuck in that victim mentality that had happened to me and poor me and I hate my uncle and the anger towards that, if I get stuck in that victim mentality, it, it doesn't actually help me. It mm-hmm. doesn't help anyone around me. So the learnings even from that to understand well, if I choose that energetic condition, that emotional state of anger, frustration, resentment, while I'm angry, I can't be happy and, you know, people say, tell me about yourself and I say, I'm an optimistic lover of life Mm. and that fuels my soul. That's how I am. I tell them what my top core values are and if I'm angry and resentful, then I'm not grateful and happy and this optimistic lover of life and I truly understand that from an energetic perspective. I've done a lot of study with the HeartMath Institute and I understand they've got decades of research and to be in those energetic conditions and change our breathing states I know that it increases my stress hormones and decreases my good hormones and that to me, it's not healthy. So when I understand this at a physiological level, the mental, emotional, physical connections, it's easy for me not to be angry, not to be resentful. It's not to say that I don't care Mm. or it's more an acceptance and an awareness of choosing my energetic conditions to fuel me. To allow, like I said back in that first session with Kate, that to allow me to be a better version of myself so I can help others around me be a better version of themselves.
0: Mm, it's kind of like you're saying that if I stay on a certain path, I lose the opportunity to be the person I want to be. And through tools like the ones you were mentioning here, I have a choice to actually go down the path that is a healthier path for me and, and my world.
1: Absolutely. And that's, I truly believe that everything is a choice. Mm. And so, and that's not to say, like, I'm a human being, that anger will arise. That's not to say I'm a monk on the mountaintop and never have anger. But when it arises, I'm aware of it. And then I make room for it. And then I accept that, okay, I've, I've become a little bit angry. That's normal. It's, it's just an, a, a reaction. And then, So my AAA approach is the awareness, then the acceptance, okay, I'm human, it's normal and then it's action. Okay, what action do I need to take and you said it there before, what are my tools to shift me away from this unhelpful energetic condition Mm. and that's where I know I've created my tool belt and I know whether it's breathing, whether it's movement, uh, whether it's a mindset shift, whether it's plugging in a podcast and just changing my mental state anything that then there's so many other tools and strategies that have created and learned to help me shift away from that but like you said it's all a choice
0: Mm. You, you say you work for a lot of people when you see change what are the keys that you typically see work
1: with other people yeah there's a couple of things one is i teach people to be brutally honest with yourself because what i find is that we're not. As humans, we're not. We can come up with excuses really well. So it's it's really hard to be brutally honest with yourself and say, you know what, I stuffed up. Or you know what, I'm making poor choices on a regular basis. I mean, life is cruisy and I'm cruising through. I'm in my comfort zone. You know, I've got a loving family around me. Whatever their situation is, it's not to say that life is up to shit. But when they are brutally honest with themselves – then sometimes I can really start to highlight, wow, actually, where am I heading? Mm. Where am I going? Uh, another tool in answer to that is actually creating a vision. So goal setting is vitally important but I actually say to people, let's be creative and actually have a vision. Where do you see yourself going? And you don't have to have an, an extremely clear picture but if you're just living day to day, then how do you know where you're moving towards? How do you know that you're making the right choices on a regular basis? Mm. So I'm all about mindfulness and living in the moment, absolutely. But why are you living in that moment? Like what is it that you're moving towards? You need to have a clear picture of that. It's And I learned that from a lot of high performers in in business, in sport, in art, everything.
0: Yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. It's kind of like how how do you want to evolve yourself is kind of what you're saying really, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and on that brutal honesty, one thing I say to people too is when you engage with me, I'm going to teach you more about yourself than you've ever known before because I don't have the answers you're looking for but you do. They're inside of you, okay? And I, and I truly believe that, that every single person, whatever answer it is we're looking for, whether it's weight loss, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, relationships, whatever it is, all the answers are within us. But sometimes we just need the help. Actually, most of the times, we need the help and the guidance and the understanding of how to actually tap into that.
0: And I think one thing on top of that is also that a lot of people have been living so far away from their real selves that they don't... They don't, they're, they're, a bit, they're so far away they don't even know it if you know what I mean like someone like yourself who spends a lot of time around awareness and done all the self work you know it's pretty easy to stay pretty close to what alignment is when you, it's that kind of person who goes I don't know what my passion is and it's like well you, until you give yourself an opportunity to spend time finding your passion you're never going to know it um, but you know you, what you're saying here is that if you spend the time digging deeper into that you allow yourself to find that version of yourself which allows you to find the right evolution
1: Absolutely, and step one with uh, the mental strength training program that I do with people is a a great questionnaire to help them identify and establish their values Mm. because so many of us, we might understand a couple of our values and we might live by them sometimes, but until we actually establish what our true core values are, Mm. so that's part of the process. And then the next part of the process is living – you said the word there and I know you're big on this – is alignment. And, and congruency. So not just establishing what our core values are, but then how do I make choices and decisions on a regular basis to stay in alignment with my values? Mm. And that's part of the process too. So there's – and that's part of the brutal honesty. Some of the questionnaires really stump people and they realize, wow, how much time am I wasting during my day? Or if these are the things that really matter to me, why aren't I actually doing things on a regular basis that are actually allowing me to feel that way, Mm. to feel on top, to feel energetic, to feel like my best self. Mm. So there's a lot of different processes in that way but I'm a huge advocate for values and one, I experienced a transformational uh, shift when I, like I said, I've always been an optimistic lover of life and I kind of knew what my values were but until I actually went through the process, identified them and then thought, every decision I make should be in line with those values because that's who I am. That's what makes me enjoy life the most. And to be honest, Bevan, I've made some of my biggest career choices in alignment with my values. I've always come back to, well, if I make this choice, I've had offers of when I was at the AIS to go and work with another sporting team and it was more money – uh, opportunities to climb the ladder really quickly in different avenues and represent uh, and work with some of the nation's best athletes in a really big sport. And I had a lot of chats with different people about it and and it became really evident when I, well, I sat down I thought, well, okay, if I take this, because my number one core value is my health and by my health it's my physical, mental and emotional health and I know what that means to me and I know how to tap into each area. Mm. And I realized taking this next job, I'm actually going to be have less time to spend on those areas because it's a really demanding job. Next one is my my next core value is my quality relationships. And I thought, well, hang on, I'm gonna be working a lot, I'm gonna be traveling a lot. Yes, it'll be quality relationships within this team, but what about my gorgeous fiance? And what about the people that are close to me that really nourish my soul? And we're taking away from that. And I started going through and mapping that out and I thought, you know what? I actually don't want to have this career in high-performance sport and then get five, ten years down the track, achieve all the career goals and then realize, wow, that was at the expense of my core values. Mm-hmm. And
0: Wake up and not know yourself.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. And you see it so often in high-performance sport with with top-level coaches because credit to them. They can dedicate their lives to it but if if you look and maybe that's because that's their core values maybe sometimes it's not you hear about a lot of relationships that diminish throughout those periods but i just looked ahead and i and i thought that's actually not the path that i want to take and and that's when i became it became really clear to me too and linking back into community is a huge part of my values and and i i'm a big meditator and i i prime myself every day and One of my mantras at the end of my meditation and my priming is that I'm proud to enhance and optimize my grandparents' legacy by impacting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. And impact to me is not just about download numbers from a podcast or people signing into a program. The impact is the people who reach out and say, Thank you, your mm. podcast, or thank you, your coaching, thank you, your program has helped me either change my life or just help me think differently, and I've improved my life. Whatever it might be, just that. And you would get this all the time. You're a coach. You you have great community impact. So for me to to make those choices in alignment with my values, it's so in alignment. It's it feels so congruent. Do do
0: do you get a lot of people get that whole yeah, Brit can do that, but I can't.
1: I haven't, I haven't received that directly. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if people think that or not. It's just
0: there's a certain person who, you know, you've got a, you're charismatic, you're you're very passionate, you're, you know, you're really great at what you do, obviously. Um, but sometimes there's certain people in life, and then other people think, yeah, but that's just. They can just do that. And it's that, a barrier, obviously, but it's almost like, it's you know, like when I do public speaking, I often do this thing, you know, um, premature problems, do you call it, and it's kind of what's going to stop you from getting the most out of today's talk is kind of the concept around premature problems. And, and one of them is premature relocation. Uh, premature relocation is that it's a good idea my friend can use this, you know, that you're not really taking it on board yourself. And sometimes people like yourself who has an impact and has always – has this ability to think I can do stuff and goes and does it, other people in your life can often think, yeah, but it's just Brent. He, he can do that. And, and sometimes some of the resistance to someone like yourself is not, not, not a resistance, but people don't necessarily believe that they can have that too.
1: I guess w- maybe why I don't, I'm just thinking about this, unpacking it in my mind yeah, as you asked yeah. it, but if you look at, so I, I was an elite athlete. I was then working in high-performance sport my whole career. Yeah. So that, I guess, you can see that people could look at me and say, yeah, but that's what he's been exposed to and, of course, he can and things like that. But if you look at my podcast, I don't I don't talk I, – when I have elite athletes and coaches on there, we don't talk that much about sport and and their achievements in sport. It's all about human behavior. Mm. And I get people on there that are from the general public that have just experienced – dark times in their life and talk about their journey through. I get um, charity founders and mental health advocates and, you know, there's a whole mixture of people because what's important for me, what's intriguing to me is human behavior. Mm. So I used to be addicted to human performance, hence why a career and a lifetime in (laughs) high-performance sport. Human performance really intrigued me and fueled me. Now, since the last couple of years, it's been more around human behavior because I realize also that human behavior drives human performance. Mm. And when I work with people now, I work far less with athletes and that's by choice. I still work with some athletes but I work a lot more with the non, non-elite non athlete population. But I say to people, your life is your performance. So we're going to approach that that way. And I want you to think about your life as your performance. Mm. So that's why your sleep is important. That's why Your food is important. That's why your relationships, your community is important. That's why your mindset is important because this is your life. This is your performance. So let's look at it in that aspect. And I think – sorry, just to to finish off too with that that question around um, if people might think, yeah, but that's just Brett. That's just the way he is. I think a resonating – I hope that people get this. A resonating message through my podcast and my programs is I'm not throwing – you know, we're not looking for the, the 1% of biohacking type elements. I'm just saying to yeah. people, like, choose gratitude instead of resentment. Yeah. And then I teach them why. Like, we actually know the science behind gratitude. Yeah. And, you know, create these mindset shifts and understand that everything's a choice. Be brutally honest. Let's establish your values. Like, these are all simple things that it's not about high-performance sport. It's not about the one percenters. It's not about the biohacking and understanding your mitochondrial elements and things like that. That's all important, but let's get the fundamentals right.
0: Yeah. It's it's a good foundation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. One one thing I find really interesting is, you know, like I've I've, – talked to a lot of coaches over the years and and sometimes you know like um, I once got to have dinner with Graham Henry who was like the coach of the all-black coach a pretty good coach and it was really interesting and we were just talking because I deal with a lot of beginner exercises you know total beginners and he deals with the all-blacks and it was just a really interesting discussion we had around this whole idea of he, his people have the want you know they have the desire they, they you know they're looking for centimeters whereas my people are look you know are trying to find the want and and your experience has very much been that you've obviously gone with you know working in a world where it's the top of the top trying to find you know centimeters uh to go into a broader audience you know we are helping everyday people what are some of the lessons that as you've shifted your focus you have learned that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you just stayed in the performance world
1: Good question I haven't actually thought about that, but I guess a, a resonating if I had a state in that world what I find is that what what people need outside of high performance sport is is the guidance and accountability and I'm just trying to unpack this as, yeah, no, as no, we go, go but in, in high performance sport when you're looking for the one percenters and everything and the people there are with the want, when you're working and you know this because you, you work with people who are would, like you said, you're trying to develop the want, It's it's almost like they don't know what they need. Or or what they want. Yeah. When you're in high performance sport and you're sitting there and people come to you, like I used to say, people come to me and choose me as a coach and say, they never said these words, but they're pretty much saying, uh, I I choose you to help me be the best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a responsibility, <laughs> you know, a isn't it? Yeah. Responsibility. They know what they want. Yeah. I'm here to be the best in the world. And then when we work with people outside of high-performance sport, it's almost like a feeling of I don't really know what I want. I don't know what I need. I don't don't know how to get there. But I know I'm dissatisfied. But I know I'm dissatisfied. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So there's a real educational element around that and that's where the whole thing around belief systems is massive Mm -hmm. that I find with people because those kind of people – and we're surrounded by a lot of my friends and family and people that I work with. We're in that state because not everyone is addicted to human behavior like you and I, and go down those rabbit holes of really understanding all these different ways to look at life and what is perspective. And, uh, you know, when I look at that and people not understanding what their options are, you've really got to just help them believe that there are other options and really change their belief systems because that's what I was getting at. I believe that society is molded into not having to make the choices around where am I going and things like that because you turn on the news, you turn on TV, uh, you read it in the magazines, different things like that. So it's almost like you pre-program your subconscious just to believe that that's the way that society is and that's the way it should unfold for me and should 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 and you go through that without ever being in alignment with your values like we spoke about before Mm. without actually knowing yourself and what it is you want and why
0: Mm. Mm. so it's really interesting isn't it because there is there is this You know, like, there's more than two aspects to the coin, but, you know, like, there is this kind of the person who's chasing and the person who's just totally lost. And, um, you know, like, it's interesting. I'm sure, as you said before, you feel a lot of impact and a lot of value from the work you bring. And I I totally get what you're saying, that kind of when you get an email from someone saying you made a difference, it's a pretty rewarding thing. Uh, And it's nice to make a difference for someone who's trying to be the best in the world. But in many ways, when you make a a bigger impact on that person who was lost – it's pretty powerful, and, and and also the impact, like I love that kind of six degrees of separation thing where, um, you know, the, the guy who's getting 1%, I'm not really sure how much more of an impact that's going to have on the world, whereas when you shift somebody who's totally lost, like, and they impact, suddenly their friends think, shit, if they can do that, I can do that, whereas if your mate who's the best golfer in the world, if he gets a little bit better, you're not thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get better, whereas if your mate who's totally lost in life finds himself then you kind of go, Well, maybe I can do this too. And, you know, the flow-on effect of helping, you know, the work you do with someone who's maybe is a little bit lost, the flow-on effect, the influence they have on their world, it's pretty massive.
1: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. But I, I've just got to revisit that for a second because when I quit my full-time job as a high-performance coach last year yep. and my mentor, Irina, that I mentioned before, she's world's best Paralympic track and field coach and has been. She's got 50-odd Paralympic medals to her name. She is unbelievable. She's from the Ukraine and very, very strict and yeah. very governed, And but that's what makes her successful. And she said to me, Brett, just be careful with the way that you're thinking about that you need to impact the world because don't underestimate the impact that you're creating through these athletes that are getting – a little bit better because all the people who are inspired by these Paralympic athletes Mm, and by athleticism, you know, sport is a massive thing in the world and if you help them get that little bit better and they're moving from – off the podium to a medalist or from a bronze or silver to a gold or from a gold medalist to a world record holder or a consistent world record holder and people can learn from their mindsets and their dedication and commitment. She said, don't underestimate the impact you're already having in this sport and I thanked her immensely for that because I had sort of overlooked that a little bit. I do understand it but I had overlooked it a little bit because you do, as a coach, you start to think athlete, where's the one percenters, make sure everything's in line, get that result good, what's the next competition, bang, in terms of the athlete part of them. But a big part, my coaching philosophy has always been help my athletes become better people and that in turn will help them become better athletes. So I've always been a people person in that way and – But back to what you're saying, I feel that impact in a different way with what I'm doing because it is the small things that make a huge difference in their life. And so you hope that these people will be looking for the 1% as soon. And we look at different key areas of their life and so maybe in their physical health or their mental health, they do get to that point where they go, okay, what is it? I'm just going to – I'm dialing it in and I've learned so much over this time but now I actually want to learn more. I know there's more to learn so – everyday non elite athlete population can be looking for those one percenters in different key areas of their life
0: yeah hey um, what do you think will be the lessons you would have learned ten years from now
1: So if I look ten years ahead
0: what's your evolution not not, not what you 've achieved, but you know like what is your evolution ten years from now
1: I believe that So my gorgeous fiancé and I will have children and I believe that when I have children, my experience of the world will change again because I'm really intrigued by how people learn. So I'm a learner and I love learning and then I love teaching people and you have a philosophy and you try and teach that to someone and it doesn't work and then the next person it works and you've got to change your language and your approach with different people because people learn differently and I'm going to have a lot of learning every day in front of me from children yeah. and and that really excites me because I, I'm ready and I'm proud to be, I will be a proud father and I just feel like that's a part of my life that I, I can't predict what it will unfold like but I know that it will have a significant positive impact in my life.
0: Yeah. What the area that you struggle with still? You know, like often people in our role, we kind of get looked up to and, you know, people think we've got it all together and it's far from true. Um, so what's, what's the area that you struggle with most currently?
1: There's a couple of things at the moment, actually, and one that pops up a little bit is a little bit of overwhelm because there's always opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when you fill your plate and then you start to realize, crap, I've got a lot to do. So there's a little bit of overwhelm and I've got my tools and strategies but it, like I said, I'm human. I I get those emotional states and I have to tap into my tool belt. And then another one that I've found recently and this is what I teach, I work on this with a lot of people because it's it's debilitating and that's comparison. Mm, oh, and, yeah. God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I start to – when I and I think because I learn all this stuff and I think, how can I be out there teaching people when there's so much I don't know and oh, that person, you know. Dr. Michael Gervais knows it in this way. Naam knows it in this way. Uh, I don't know that, or I haven't taught that. I haven't got that experience. Who am I to teach people? And then you start to compare. And you know, our minds are like little chatterboxes and they go yeah. flat out, they go faster than you can comprehend. Up to 70,000 thoughts a day. You know, Joe yeah. Dispenza has done a lot of research in this space and understands these thought dynamics deeply. And so all of a sudden, all these thoughts go through your head and you start to compare. And as soon as you compare, it's that feeling of not good enough. Yeah, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And as you know, we operate from our fundamental operating context is either we operate from a space of good enough or not good enough. Mm. And that changes throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout our experiences. So I find that when I compare and all of a sudden I'm not good enough in my mind, all of a sudden I don't want to take the action to move forward and it just changes my internal state. So once again, just got to tap into my tool belt and really uh, really start to break that down in ways that i know work
0: yeah one thing i've been doing around that area lately is i just literally this might help i'm not sure but i literally just go this is a story like when when i see myself building the story i literally stop and say this is a story and it's amazing how once i do that it stops you know, like it just just that kind of tool of just literally realizing that I'm creating a story. It's not really based on any fact. I'm just literally creating a story in my head, and I just, and I and I'm just been going. This is a story, and as soon as I say this is a story, it diminishes what I'm building. That kind of that, the story I'm creating, and uh, and then I'm able to just get back on track. It's just an interesting technique that I kind of threw out of nowhere, and it seems to be working. So maybe you want to try that as well. But yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Hey, so just lastly. Um, What would be your advice to someone who's listening to this uh, who may be in that place where they are a little bit lost and thinking about getting some change in your life?
1: Good question. Now, I used to ask people what their advice was too, and then I've realised that there's a couple of top people that understand the world from a different perspective and they say that they don't like to give advice, which which I respect. So in answer to your question, I'll say that uh, I believe – that is similar to what I said before. I believe that we all have our answers inside ourselves. So for that person that is lost and doesn't really know what to do and in answer to your question, I believe that those answers are within you and you have the opportunity to find those answers by reaching out. So listening to podcasts is actually a really good start because you can listen to other people's stories and 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 connect with different aspects. Mm -hmm. But what I would say in answer to your question is to the person, I don't want to give the advice but what I've (laughs) I've seen work is when people take action. So don't just be inspired by what you hear and think, yeah, that, that makes sense, I can connect with that. Don't just be inspired. Inspiration is great. It's the start of a cascade of positive effects within the human body. We should be looking for inspiration, but then we've got to act on that inspiration. Take action. So start to reach out, read books like yours, listen to more podcasts, find out, go down the rabbit hole, do programs, things like that to actually understand yourself better than ever before because that will create clarity.
0: Uh, If people want to follow you, if they want to kind of do some work with you, uh, give, give the plug.
1: Yeah, so my podcast, as you said at the beginning, is Your Life of Impact, and I run the mental strength training programs where I teach people habits, tools, and strategies to optimize their life, and it's a really interactive journey. We have world-class special guests, Q&As too. People can interact with me on a regular basis. We have closed groups that we do the live Q&As, so I really guide people to help them with every step of the way, so that's uh, it's yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching so people can go on to there and, and learn about themselves deep, at a deeper level, create an accountability group and be guided through that.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, if we kind of take away what you're saying from today is is ultimately that you can change and if you're willing to do the work, you will get there and, um, you know, and obviously your tools are a great way to kind of look at that. So I'll put a little link to his website, yourlifeofimpact.com uh, in the show notes and thanks for coming on the show, Brett, you rock.
1: Thanks, Bevan, and thanks to all the listeners. Once again, like I said at the start, I'm extremely grateful to be able to come on and have a chat and uh, help you nourish your community, Bevan. Awesome, mate. You're a star. Thank you very much.
0: There you go, so there is Brett Robinson again, if you want to go to his website, it is yourlifeofimpact.com, and uh, you can see all the work that he does there, as you can see he's a pretty passionate man, I love I love seeing passionate people, you know, there's something about passionate people, you know, they just, there's an energy isn't there, you know, and you can see it <clears throat> with Brett there, that he just has this energy, which is pretty kind of powerful stuff, and obviously he's trying to have a big impact in his world, which I think is some Pretty cool stuff as well. So you can check them out there. That's pretty much today's show. Yeah, it is pretty much today's show. I'm, I'm doing a talk. I'm doing a talk in a couple of weeks for Liz Mills. I've created. I'm quite lucky because I've asked me to create a training for them, um, and it's something that's been on my mind a lotly. Is how do you create a training? And ultimately, what I want to do is one thing that we try to teach fitness instructors, and, and I'm kind I'm just going to waffle a little bit here for you guys, and you can kind of caught the end of the show if you want, or you can listen on and kind of hear my wafflings. But one of the things that we uh, Try to teach great instructors is this whole idea of your job is to teach what you see in front of you. A great fitness instructor, particularly in a group fitness environment, but, but, well, maybe one-on-one's a bit different because you should only see one thing in front of you, but, you know, a a good coach. I was watching this YouTube clip the other day about it. What's a great coach? And a great coach that was defined by this YouTube clip was this whole idea of it's somebody who can see what somebody else needs and then teach them how to find those needs for themselves you know to to guide them and take them through to that place where they fulfill those needs and and grow Um, and as a group fitness instructor one of our jobs is to kind of do that as well is to look at a group of people and kind of think what do these people need Uh, and you know one of the the keys to being great at this is this whole idea that you need to be able to look at the people in front of you and and think what do they need from me right now and so a great instructor really does teach from that place like if we look at a new instructor they teach from a place of they're just trying to do the skills they've been told they need to do uh, whereas we look at a great instructor they're kind of just they're responding to the experience they're seeing in front of them but then one thing I, one thing we're, we're trying to do in the training that I'm creating is to also think about what's the framework around what you want to see And what I've been trying to think about as I design this training that I'm going to be doing is this whole idea of who are you as a fitness professional? Now again, I'm going, this is random. I know this is random, but this is what I'm doing. Um, Who are you as a fitness professional? And what are the key attributes that you want to be as a fitness professional? Because one thing that's really... Clear is there's no one formula for a great fitness professional. Like, I know fitness professionals who are completely different in personality you know, and very successful to another fitness professional who again is very successful but a completely different personality. There's no one right way. Now, obviously when we think of great fitness professionals, we tend to think of people who are kind of a bit energetic and full of, you know, kind of full of a lust for life if you want to put it that way. But it's not necessarily all the case. There's some really great fitness professionals who are quite calm souls and so the, the first thing is is what's the framework you want to see your world around and what I mean by that is that we kind of say well our job is to respond to what's in front of us but actually what are you trying to see from what's in front of you and it's one thing I've been thinking about my own instructing right now is that ultimately what I want to see in front of me uh, I want to see growth I want to see fun. I want to see inclusiveness, I want to see challenge, I want to see satisfaction. So as I kind of find the framework around what I want to be as a fitness professional, that's, that's, that's what I should be seeing reflected back at me. So when I'm teaching a spin class, when I'm teaching a pump class, when I'm teaching my runners, when I'm coaching my runners, ultimately what I'm trying to see is, Am I seeing those words in front of me? Am I seeing growth? Am I seeing fun? Am I seeing inclusiveness? Am I seeing challenge? Am I seeing satisfaction? You know, and, and really, that's the feedback loop that I'm trying to do. And then as a fitness professional, what I then try to do is I'm trying to really explore, well, how do I create more growth? What are the, what are the things that I need to do to create more growth? What are the things that I need to do to create more fun? And a part of my journey as a fitness professional is to ex- kind of explore this, you know. Okay, you know, as I teach a class, what I can do this week to maybe find a bit more growth, you know, or maybe what like more fun. Like, and to be honest, I taught a class this morning, um, and I really got it. You know, I taught a class, and I taught an RPM, which is Liz Mills' spin class, this morning, and I went into it with that idea of I'm looking to see these words, I'm looking to see growth, I'm looking to see fun, and my feedback was telling me I was getting it right. And that's when I know I'm doing a good job. And I'm not really sure why I'm sharing this with you. I'm not really sure because I know lots of you aren't, let's be honest, 99% of the people who listen to the show aren't fitness professionals. But there might be something to this for you in your life. Like if you think about yourself and the areas of your life where you're trying to do good work, You know, the funny thing about being a group fitness professional is that you do see the people in front of you. But in your work, as you get to the end of the day, did you see those core things that are key to you? Did you see some growth? Did you see some fun? Now, again, your words are going to be different to mine, but you kind of get where I'm going with this. To me, a great leader can look at a world and understand the needs of the world and then have a philosophy they stand on top of. That's the thing about a great leader isn't it you think of any great leader in your life they stood up for something didn't they they stood up and they fought for something and though they knew those words in their head and they were trying to see those words and they're trying to create those words in the world around them and to me that's what a great fitness professional does is they stand in front of a group of people they have these fundamental Understand this fundamental understanding about what it is they're trying to create and then they look in front of them and they think am I creating this and what can I do to enhance those words and evolve that experience because then if I do that I'm going to make fitness experience that people love and are going to have a big impact on their life so there you go this is just a random piece of insight at the end of today's show I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks time I am pretty excited about the show I'm doing in a couple of weeks Because it is, as I was talking about It's kind of based on some influence Or some stuff that I've been doing in my life lately That I think is quite powerful um, And tools that have helped me at least uh, And yeah So if you want to become a patron of the show Go to bevanjames.com It's all very clear on the website uh, If you want to support me in what I do That's one way you can do that You can also email me at bevanjames.gmail.com Share the word about the show on your Facebook, your Twitter Twitter, your Instagram, whatever you do and uh, I'll be back in a couple weeks time doing what I do Anyway, you guys rock on, I'll see you soon